Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Dry, and my name is Ben Harrison. I'm uh, I'm wet, and I'm Adam Pranica. What is that in What is that in reference to? To the story you said before we turned on the microphones about how you were mad at me because you were getting rained on in Seattle and checking the weather in L.A. where it's 70 degrees most of the time. Wow, so I guessed right with what I needed to say in that moment. (laughs) 50% chance of getting it and I got it. Yeah, you did it. You did good. Yeah, it's been piss raining in Seattle, Ben. It hasn't been great. The sort of rain that's kept me inside for days at a time and that's not good for my mental health. No, you gotta uh, you gotta close rings, man, in order to in order to maintain. I've had a good start to the year as far as like waking up early every morning and meditating and like going to the gym. Like I'm doing that stuff, but yeah. I am not. I'm not going for walks because my dog can't walk. That's part of it. Like right. And I feel low-key bad about walking by myself and leaving him at home. <laughs> and so I kind of feel like a, like a walk martyr, right? The, the reason you feel bad is that you set up like a FaceTime between you and him and you maintain <laughs> eye contact with him the entire time you're walking. And I that's look just at him cruel. During. Yeah, that's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> ben, something happened to me last night that was pretty harrowing that I, I would like to share with you. And uh, I thought maybe in exchange you could share a story right back. This may be the beginning of a new segment. This may mm. be the only one of its kind, but I kind of want to give you a jazz horse update. Tell me you love jazz. <laughs> horse, earth horse. Okay, boys, saddle up. You're as handy with a shooting iron as you are with a woman's heart. I'm beginning to see the appeal of this program. I suggest you find a new line of work. It's okay, girl. Just a scratch. We may never do this again, but something significant happened last night, and I'm still not over it. Yeah, I mean, I think that (laughs) I I do want to do this segment, and I do want it to be a regular segment, but I do suspect that a lot of people are getting angry at us about (laughs) talking about jazz horse so much. (laughs) So, uh, I'll keep my story short. Should we say what jazz horse is? Jazz horse is Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. That's all it is. That's all it is. So I'm, I'm riding my horse. I'm riding genuine out <laughs> out in the uh, like out in the boonies, right? This is an area I haven't explored yet. I've been I've been uh, a little weird about how I open up my map. Mm-hmm. Exploratory you're trying to wise. you're trying to uh, make the fog of war describe a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm riding around and I and I cross a river. And any any player of Oregon Trail knows you need, you need to be really careful crossing these rivers. But I I launched on through a river and then got to the other side. And the other side had like a little uh, a little rocky outcrop that it looked like you could ride up. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I gallop full speed through the river and then I'm on the other side and I make a hard right to get up this hill. And uh-huh. my horse uh, does not like this movement. The horse. And me 
miss the turn and then end up running straight up the mountain. <laughs> and that end, ends up flipping me ass over tea kettle. It ends up flipping genuine ass over horse tea kettle. And yeah. genuine's in the water bin. And uh, and genuine's been been knocked out. And just as I have been knocked out, I do I don't die. But by the time I come to Ben, RSVP genuine. Oh, genuine has drowned. In spite Damn. of my best efforts, like I try to, I try to get on him in the water. I can't get on him. I try to lasso him out of the water. Oh he, no! He won't leave. It was. I was so distraught over this. It was like uh, the death of Artax in the Swamp of Sadness. <laughs> like I kept on wanting to pull him out, but he didn't want to come out. It was yeah. really awful. That so is then, rough, dude. So then I had to grab my saddle and walk 45 minutes to the <laughs> to the, <laughs> to the closest <laughs> table, which is like the shittiest punishment. I get attacked yeah. by two panthers on my way. Like, Whoa. I arrive at my stable, like covered in blood, carrying <laughs> carrying my my saddle. Uh, it was not a good night of jazz horse for me, Ben. But I ended up getting a new horse. He is a he is a war horse. Are you familiar with a war horse and what they look like? Do they have like bigger f- feet? Oh lordy, Ben, that horse is thick. <laughs> yeah, those horsey thick. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, which is what I named horse two, horsey <laughs> thick with two C's, <laughs> is my new ride, which made me feel slightly better uh, while I'm grieving the death yeah. of genuine. Trogdor is the horse that I got at the beginning of the game, and yeah. I have dabbled, I've experimented with the idea of buying a new horse. But so far, Trogdor has survived, and I, I have it has caught my breath a couple of times when, you know, <laughs> attempting to board a moving train or something, and <laughs> Trogdor takes some damage. But, uh, but fortunately, she's, uh, she's, she's been through it with me, through thick and thin. Good buddy of mine uh, ended up killing his horse very early on in the game, uh, attempting a, a train boarding, uh-huh. and it was so early that he didn't have... Anything close to the amount of money of getting another horse. <laughs> and he was so unskilled in any other way that he had to walk around for a long time. Oh, man. Yeah. Kind of changed the game on him. That'll that'll show you. I've never jumped to a train. It, it seems scary. Yeah, it's a little scary. You got you to gotta ride pretty fast alongside it. Then you hit square. But Horsey Thick could handle that no problem. The thing about Horsey Thick is he's like a fucking tank. Like he can go straight up mountains. He can go, he can he can go more vertical than my old horse ever could. He doesn't get tired. Wow. He takes great big shits, Ben. Like the yeah. kind that that could dam a river. <laughs> Game really won me over when I saw a dog take a poop. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I was just walking around a town and <laughs> a dog was doing one. Don't you and me see enough dogs taking poops? I was telling yeah. my wife last night, like, uh, we we do shifts with our dog, taking taking him outside, and he's got to be on a leash. That'd be nice. He's got to be on a leash, you know, post-surgery, walking yeah. around in our backyard, so I get, uh, I get the late night just before bed action, and it occurred to me that, uh, that like, I've got to use my, my phone flashlight to see where he's dropping these shits in the grass, because... 
you can lose them pretty easily. And I was just thinking about uh, about if my if my camera had somehow been tied to the flash function on my phone, to the light function on my phone, uh, this entire time, how many pictures of dog shit would be there? Yeah. Kind of a lot. Probably 50 pictures of dog shit, Ben. Yeah. That would be, uh, you know, when the, uh, when the FBI finally cracked the four-digit code on your phone, they would be like, oh my god, he's much sicker than we could ever have even imagined. <laughs> One of the worst I've ever seen. Lock him up for life. Well, Adam, I'm really sorry for your loss. I, Thank uh, you, Ben. You it know, gives me some comfort to hear that. Jazz Horse at its best is very chill, <laughs> and it sounds like this was a non-chill evening with yeah. with Jazz Horse. Yeah, I'm trying to make a new start with a new horse. Yeah. I think you can do it, but, uh, you know, allow the morning process to take its, to take its course, you know? Can't right. rush these things. That's good advice. Much like you can't rush back to a stable when you've lost your horse. <laughs> that saddle's pretty heavy. You can't run very long. It's going to take 45 minutes minimum. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I get for exploring unknown territory, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Much like uh, two of the characters on Deep Space Nine do in season three, episode 22, Explorers. <laughs> No, of course you don't. Speaking of exploration, Ben. Yeah. We have discovered a brand new character in our cold open. We sure have. And she has got a great big cough. (laughs) A set of coughs, even. Yeah. Because it's never just one. Now, now. Dr. Bashir is doing a little bit of, uh, he's doing something that I sort of aspire to being able to do, which is take some work down to the local pub and have a drink while you finish your work day. Hmm. It's kind of blending happy hour with the end of the day, which uh, holds some appeal to me. Yeah. You know, there there are hazards to this, which is that uh, you uh, encounter you know, uh, a potential romantic interests while you're still going over the numbers or whatever. And, and that's what happens to Bashir here. And, uh, I mean, she's uh, just as romantically interested in him as he is in her. Oh, dear. How long have you had that cough? She's looking for a field diagnosis, Ben. Yeah. And uh, I'm surprised he didn't, uh, you know, put his ear against her chest to... <laughs> To, to listen for this because based on how she's acting I kind of got the kind of got the feeling that that's that's what she was hoping he would do there is like a if you follow their eyeline and especially Bashir's eyeline like she's standing and he's sitting for maybe half of the scene before standing again but his eyeline never wavers from her face and it's so chaste in that way it made me wonder if they did a couple of takes where he is distracted by right. by the décolletage. She's got beautiful hands, beautiful décolletage. Yeah, I mean, I also liked the way his performance goes from kind of like stunned surprise that anyone is expressing interest in him at all into being kind of smooth and debonair with her. You know, we've seen a lot of him 
engaging in what I would call romantic mishaps. Mm-hmm. And this actually seems like it's heading somewhere. I kind of wonder why this doesn't happen more often. I feel like Dr. Bashir is a pretty good looking dude. Probably yeah. in the in the upper 20% in the looks department, I would say, on the station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on the 80th percentile. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's like, uh, he's smart and he's got a good gig. He's no longer lecherous. He's probably not getting sent into super dangerous scenarios all the time, which is a calculus you'd have to do with another officer, probably. Yeah. He's, he's got a stable lifestyle. I feel like there, there's a lot of appeal in that. He gets interrupted by Dax, who is kind of fucking with him. Yeah. Dax has that thing where she can kind of seem na- naive or, or, uh, or, or like she's kind of missing cues. It's, it's never the case, right? Like she's no. playing romance chess to his romance checkers. If they're friends, why is she doing this to him? Uh, because so much fun. Yeah, it's the fun factor, isn't it? I mean, like, uh, Lita is a, a yeah. very fetching young lady, so uh, getting to getting to blow Bashir's chance with with someone like her just seems like good sport yeah. for somebody who's who's lived uh, seven lifetimes, right? Yeah, it's a it's a sport fuck with. Uh, but Dax is delivering information uh, to Bashir that the Lexington is putting in, and uh, you know, despite his uh, past iPad that says GTFO, <laughs> she actually does distract him away from uh, young Lita, who does not make another appearance in the episode after this. This connects to Doctor Bashir's origin story, and an, it's an origin story totally focused on a pre-ganglionic fiber being confused with a post-ganglionic nerve. Like, that is the thing that makes Dr. Bashir who he is. And that mistake is what caused the valedictorian of his medical school to be the celebrated doctor she is and what has made Dr. Bashir the chief medical officer on Deep Space Nine. Like, like it's a, it's a that... fork in his career road. It, it yeah. changed everything for him. And this... and. Dr. Lenz represents that fork. She's the uh, she's the CMO of the Lexington, which is due at the station shortly. And that forces him into a very introspective mode. It makes him nervous because he's not articulating it, but he knows he has to see her and talk to her about this. Like there is no, there is no just casual awareness of someone being in the same place at the same time like something has to happen and he knows that this is a small town yeah yeah do you think that um the writer that first wrote down the phrase pre-ganglionic fiber comma post-ganglionic nerve gets like a thousand dollar check every time they use that (laughs) construction in an episode it's a real don't you see huh (laughs) I mean, like, I just wonder what the rules are, because, like, I know that, like, there there are a lot of times where, like, a, you know, they they bring a character back, but they have to give the character a different name, even if it's the same actor, because they yeah. don't want to pay a writer for creating that character. Right. There's a piece of trivia in the Sarlacc Mouth episode where uh, when Sarlacc Mouth calls 
Dr. Bashir out on that mistake. He mentions that there's no way any medical professional could confuse the two. That's mm-hmm. actually true. Like, that's the reason that Sarlacc Mouth said that was because those in the medical community know that, like, it's like confusing uh, a hair follicle with a foot. Like, there's just <laughs> no, there's no way anyone could confuse those two things. So those are real things. They are real things. And they wow. are unconfusable. Wow. The next scene is uh, Jake Sisko at home cramming an iPad under him under his butt when his dad gets home uh, in a you know in a concealment of the computer that I'm sure most teenage boys have experienced at one time or another. <laughs> and uh, I I would have loved to focus on that except for we've got to talk about beard, Adam. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we? Cisco grew that beard. That beard's thick. It is thick. It's thicker than I remember. Yeah. I, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about growing the beard as the moment where Deep Space Nine goes from bad to good. <laughs> and I'm curious. I, I had no idea when it was going to happen. I kind of thought it was soon, but I was maybe guessing that it would be after the, after the uh, season break, mm. which is coming up. Interesting to see that it happens at, uh, toward the end of season three, but not at the end of season three. Yeah, and the quality change, I would argue, uh, does not happen this episode. Right. Like, I think that the last two episodes, that two-episode arc, was much more a quality change signal than this beard. Right. Right. One thing that you don't want to do immediately after hiding your laptop is uh, engage in in some affectionate, non-sexual father-son touching yeah. And Cisco comes right in for the hug. And I think that's that hug where you bend at the waist yeah. <laughs> to put a little distance between the groin and the Yeah. If I'm Jake, I probably stay seated. I think that's smart. <laughs> Jake has the uh iPad mini, but Cisco has the the big one, the mm-hmm. the pro. Yeah. It comes in and uh shows Jake a blueprint on the screen for a, a Bajoran space sailing ship uses uh, solar sails to sail around the solar system. And there are legends that the Bajorans figured out how to visit Cardassia 800 years ago. And this is compared to uh, being contemporary with uh, humans taking to the seas. Like the Bajorans figured out interstellar space travel way earlier, or at least that's, uh, that's the legend. It's not necessarily supported by the archaeological record. Nothing says bottle episode like someone engaging in a hobby. <laughs> and that is, that's the gauntlet that gets thrown down here. The bottle gauntlet is thrown. And uh, it's cool to have a big time and resource consuming hobby on the brink of war, isn't it? Like, I, I, I wish they cross cut to the other side of the of the wormhole and it's just Jim Hadar guys training and sharpening things and like and like you mean like mid mid uh mid metalworking montage yeah. where Cisco's putting the ship together yeah. and they also are showing the Jim Hadar. Yeah, like building their ships and they're just loaded up with guns. Sharpening blades and jacking themselves up on that Petrocell light. Yeah. Like uh I don't know, Ben, kinda seems like you got some other shit to do. Not only that, but like it's fine to have a hobby during wartime. I think it's probably something that keeps you sane. But Ben Sisko's hobby is taking him off the station in an unarmed ship 
that is basically a sitting duck. And not only that, like heading toward a semi-hostile <laughs> yeah. portion of space. And also, he's pulling Kira and O'Brien off of, I'm sure, actual work to help him with this. Like, he <laughs> he totally deputizes them to, to help him get it set up. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a cool boss move, but it's an irresponsible boss move, too. Yeah. Golden Cotton. The cut. Golden Cotton. So, O'Brien... I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. This is fucking spectacular. Is very skeptical about the ship's ability to have made this journey. And Kira, in keeping with her uh, spiritual nature, is like, oh yeah, this happened... This happened exactly as it was written. Like, I can't believe you don't believe this. Yeah. It's sort of a uh, a spiritual versus scientific argument happening on screen for maybe 10 seconds. That's all we get, but <laughs> But it's good to it's good to get a little dusting of a character moment. Yeah. Um and uh, I like the I like the terminology used, like the idea that chief doesn't think the thing is spaceworthy. Yeah. And they talk about like the idea that the Romulans think they've invented everything before everybody else. I love that part. Nice, efficient world building stuff in this scene that I really liked. Can you recall a time when Romulan scientific vanity was stated or or seen in that way? No, I don't think uh, I can. I mean, I think I think so much of the time they are just the bad guys on the other ship or yeah. kind of, you know, we, we, we've met so few Romulans and I don't, I don't know if we've met many Romulan scientists at all. So it'd be great if that was a more overt character trait. Like as soon as Tomalak decloaks and comes on screen <laughs> facing Picard, he's like, hello, Picard. I just decloaked my ship with the cloaking device that my people discovered. And then yours didn't. <laughs> I couldn't help but notice that your ship has no cloaking device. Your people did not invent the cloaking device the way mine did. Also, yeah. we invented the cat basket phaser holster. <laughs> <laughs> we we invented getting short bangs way before they were in. <laughs> They're also hipsters. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we stuck with vinyl through thick and thin. We cut our own bangs and we aren't even depressed. (laughs) We don't care that they don't necessarily flatter the shape of our face. Bangs! I got bangs! Congrats. So Cisco wants to make the ship using the tools of its time, which means uh, like a sawzall. And a bunch of hand tools. He refutes O'Brien's proposition of like, why don't you just walk up to a replicator and replicate all these pieces? It'd be great. I mean, speaking of hipsters, this is like... Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> seriously, uh, seriously, Cisco is uh, is getting back to his uh, artisanal handcrafted roots. Yeah. Which uh, I make fun of, but I like that shit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he wants Jake to go with him. He wants Jake to be in on this project, but... You know, Jake is, uh, has been uh, taking secret looks at iPads lately, and uh, and that's... Uh, <laughs> Jake's looking forward to some home alone time. He's like, is there going to be Wi-Fi and, like, privacy on this, on this sailing ship, or... 
God, Jake's tunic in this app looks like it's uh, sewn from an assortment of grandma's potholders. It is <laughs> really something, Ben. Yeah. I kind of like it, though. The Jake I'm... collection of tunics is is growing, I think. I don't think we've yeah. seen this one before. He's, he's really grown up right before our eyes. I feel like this episode really made me realize how much bigger and more grown up looking he is than when we first met him. It'd be fun if Jake was also sporting a goatee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you too? <laughs> Dad! <laughs> I looked at a picture of like contemporary Sirach Lofton. Yeah. Still a very good looking man. Yep. How the fuck did this guy get away with going from being like 11 years old to being a full-fledged grown-up with never having an awkward period? Great question. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I kind of imagine his awkward period predates his time on DS9. Oh, maybe. That's when you it would Macaulay happen. You think Macaulay Culkin just hates this guy's guts? <laughs> yeah, whenever they get together for child actor meetings, it's really awkward. <laughs> One group that is not super thrilled about Cisco's new hobby is the Cardassian military. <laughs> uh, we get a FaceTime with Gul Dukat, who is, you know, and and like the this is set up a little bit in that conversation with O'Brien and Kira, but it's uh, it's pretty clear that this is something that the Cardassians don't want the world to know about. They don't they don't want people to get the idea that the Bajorans were ever more advanced than them because right. I guess it'll just make the occupation look more criminal and awful mm. yeah I mean I inferred a similar to Romulan technological vanity here in play as well yeah in that same way but like I, I mean like it's an interesting sensitivity to deal with right it's like um, I don't know like the Turkish government doesn't want to admit that the Armenian genocide happened. Like the the Cardassians don't want to admit that the Bajorans had like a sophisticated right. uh, interstellar culture before they were subjugated by the Cardassians. And uh, and like a public demonstration of the possibility of that has like major diplomatic ramifications. And it doesn't really seem like Cisco gives that much of a fuck about that. In a way yeah. that I, I thought was surprising. Like, he he's usually pretty sensitive to diplomatic considerations. And, like, most things that Gul Dukat does, like, there's... It's kind of a veiled threat here, too. In the sense that, like, he can't guarantee his safety. He does that thing where uh, he's like, you know, it'd be a shame if something happened to you so far away from home on this little rickety <laughs> ship without any defensive ability if something goes wrong major kira can have a runabout to me within an hour an hour can be a very long time it is a perfect veiled threat and it seems like that is going to be the danger present in this episode right right gel ducat is saying like maybe it'll be mayquis or something mayquis but the implication is definitely the cardassians are going to look for a way to make this not ever get out Ben Sisko's a little bummed because Jake has said he isn't going. The reason seems to be that it is the arrival of a girlfriend that would prevent this from happening, but the message that Jake Sisko checks is a little bit ambiguous in nature, 
And so when we learn that Jake has received a communique from Wellington, New Zealand, that doesn't quite comport with the idea of a visiting girlfriend and, right. uh, and especially doesn't jive with Jake's change of mind and his willingness yeah. to go. It's like good news that means Jake can go on the trip. Right. So we're, we're left to puzzle. And so they, they head off. This is, I think, I think I was speculating about whether a shot in a, a recent episode was the first CG ship in mm-hmm. DS9. This is definitely a CG ship. Right. Unequivocally. And it's the Bajoran sailing ship that uh, the, the Cisco gentlemen have boarded and are, are taken out for a spin. And I really like the kind of the design of this thing, like on the on the interior, there's a great deal of physicality in how they rig the ship and how yeah. how they how they get it going. Like when they're pulling on a lever, they really like throw their weight into it in a way that, you know, you don't always design a set to be able to withstand like a couple hundred pounds of force when somebody mm-hmm. pulls on something or whatever. And making the choice to do that really gave this a great sense of tactile realness that you don't get in a lot of Star Trek sets. Yeah, you know how like sometimes you'll see an actor pick up a coffee mug and it's clear by the way they're handling it that the mug is empty? Yeah. You don't get the sense that the mug is empty when they're winding these sails, right? Yeah. They uh, they head out from the station and they're going to deploy the sails, so... Uh, they get on either side of the thing, and Cisco says, crank it with all you've got, Jake. And Jake says, oh, I've been working on that. <laughs> and so they crank away, and they uh, they get these sails unfurled, and uh, and they're off. And they're Odo. <laughs> Thanks for bringing me along, guys. <laughs> Let's catch some of these solar winds. Hey, I, I don't want to embarrass you, Jake, but this isn't the first time I've seen you crank it. <laughs> I could be any inanimate object in a room. You know, you gotta be more careful, son. You wouldn't even know if you were cranking me. <laughs> I mean, I would never do that to you, but think about it. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my I thought for a ship without its own propulsion system, the ship's ability to dodge the docking ring and leave was a pretty slick move. Not quite clear how that worked. (laughs) No. Uh, I also, I don't really know that much about solar sails. I wonder if, uh, if we have any like space physicists in the audience that can tell us whether this is a realistic uh, ratio of sail to ship size. Well, because... I can tell you that it's not Ben, because I did oh, yeah. a little research, and evidently okay. these sails would have had to be miles and miles long yeah. in order to affect any sort of propulsion. That's sort of what I pictured, but uh, that they're they're much more proportional to a an ocean sailing vessel. Right, right. Jake has a look around the interior for the first time, which is not a good time to look around for the first time. I think <laughs> when you're when you're going on a trip with your pop, he uh, he discovers the zero gravity rations. He discovers the composting toilet. <laughs> he's really uh, he's like no yeah. water. This is the great house sitting deal that you found. Yeah, the uh, they're gonna be sleeping on 
on hammocks, yeah. which, is, which is not a super comfy long-term sleeping solution if you've ever tried it. You wonder what the consideration was when this was zero gravity, because one point that gets made is that the only modification Cisco has made to the design is adding gravity nets right. in uh, in the floor. Yeah, I. if you've chosen to go with gravity, I think it's okay to go with a functional toilet. Like, he chose gravity, but chose non-gravity toilet. At well, least maybe I- the Cisco men don't have the same butt problems that you have, Adam. I, I just think you need toilet continuity. Like, <laughs> you make your toilet match your gravity situation. That makes sense. If you have to yak in zero G... <laughs> Do you just have to put your mouth on the on the shop vac toilet? Oof. Yeah, that's, I mean, I guess. That, that's got to be it, right? Maybe there's like a plastic sleeve you can put over it, like one of those uh, electric thermometers you put in your, in your ear. That is so gnarly to think about. <laughs> Do not want to think about it. Sorry. Ben, similar to the horror of, of a person brandishing a guitar... At a at a campfire, it turns out Jake wrote a story, and now that he has a captive audience, he wants his dad to read it. Yeah, yeah. He That's pulls out tough. an iPad in one hand and a gun in the other, <laughs> and says, "You're gonna read this now, Dad." Uh, I can I can only imagine how ribald it is, given Jake's interests in the current day, given the prurience that he's displayed in. Uh, <laughs> In writing it. Yeah. So Ben Sisko sits down to read this story, and we cut back to Deep It's all mourn porn. (laughs) (laughs) Hammered, the series. (laughs) The Red Hammer Diaries. (laughs) Sisko sits down to read the story, and we cut back to Deep Space Nine, and the Lexington, a Dill Soul-class starship, has has docked at the station. Bashir is frantically straightening the infirmary up to make it look just so. And Odo comes in to kind of taunt him in a way that I was a little surprised by. Like, since when is Odo the antagonist of Bashir? Especially, like, like, you remember when Odo flipped emotional shit at Garrick and Garrick, like, totally went over the top of him and, and big dogged him emotionally? I feel like this is the same thing happening here. What is Odo making fun of Bashir's emotions with respect to uh, a woman about? Like, give me a fucking break, Odo. (laughs) Where's it coming from? Like, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, if anything, I would expect O'Brien to be doing this, like, in a a fun way. Yeah, this is uh, an O'Brien moment that they, I feel like, wrote Odo into because they're like, oh, fuck, we forgot to have Odo in this episode. Yeah. We've got him in the loaf and everything. Uh... Instead, O'Brien is the wingman in the bar where they kick it as they watch Dr. Lenz from afar. And uh, Bashir sort of like gets up the nerve to approach her over the course of time. And then uh, when he sees that Dr. Lenz is getting up, to leave, uh, he also gets up and sort of like sturdies himself for uh, an interaction with her. And she walks by him like he isn't even there. I loved his performance. It's it's hard to do the kind of subtle reaction to this that Alexander Siddig does. The kind of like 
series of emotions washing over his face are like, what was that even? And then it's like relief coupled with worry that he still has to close this circle. Mm-hmm. It's a fun storyline. Like it, yeah. it's 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 very it's very endearing of uh, of Doctor Bashir. It felt very similar to the approach one often makes of a stranger in a social situation that they want to meet romantically. Right. Even though this is a professional situation, like I don't get the sense at any point that Bashir wants to interact with her romantically it it's still it's very pregnant with that kind of stress right and and i think other people are kind of freighting it with that like yeah when court comes in and says like oh you didn't tell me she's also banging yeah we do a fair amount of cross-cutting from here between the ship to deep space nine in short order because back on the sail ship, Cisco has finished the story and uh, damns it with some faint praise. I think it shows a lot of promise. Ben Cisco is more physically affectionate than he is complimentary affectionate, I would say. Yeah, he gives some kind of like constructive feedback, which is not necessarily the first thing you want to hear when somebody yeah. completes reviewing a creative work of yours. <laughs> but uh, but Jake is really excited about this story and also is, like to his credit, pretty open to the feedback that his mm-hmm. dad gives him. And man, I really admired the way Jake deals with this scene because he is getting some pretty damning faint praise from his dad. And is not like he doesn't get bent out of shape about it. And in fact, he pulls a prank on his dad <laughs> in the midst of this. Like Cisco's like, you know, what do you know about the Mayquis? And and Jake plays this prank where he like has has him going for a second that he he may have Mayquis sympathies or have even joined the Mayquis. Yeah, really. Uh, you know, Cal Hudson and I hung out. Uh, while he was at the station, and I really think he had a lot of good ideas. Jake's doing bits. All I do is bits, bits, bits. I love it. Ben, I feel like Ciroc Lofton is really great in this episode because it's the degree of difficulty acting as though you are hopeful that someone you care about is going to have a good opinion about something you've created feels very different from... Act like you're scared that a ship is going to shoot at yours and kill you. Yeah. And this is what Sirach Lofton gets to do on this show. He is acting with this kind of, this granularity that I really admire. Like he's, like, I I don't think a lot of people give his character or his stories a lot of credit because they're often, you know, like relegated to B and C story stuff, but he's doing some heavy lifting. He doesn't have huge arcs, generally speaking. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. And this conversation gets cut short when the ship gets a banger dropped on it. Right. So, uh, you know, we don't necessarily get to see this come full circle, but that's another testament to how good both of these actors are in this scene is that they turn on a dime and, and they're doing Star Trek emergency patter mm-hmm. in short order in a way that is really fun. Yeah, they're they're cranking on things with the quickness, yep. and they're ejecting some sails and making some space garbage in the process. One of the sails has uh, has gone bad. I I couldn't quite get a sense of what happened to it, but yeah. uh, but they yeah they 
there are, I guess, some like explosive bolts that they can blow, and uh, and the sail gets left in the dust, much like your horse, jazz horse. <laughs> it's it's sad to part with it, but uh, you know, so sometimes you just got to deal with loss like that. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll go back to that river and set up camp there. Think about genuine for a while. Pay some homage. Yeah. What are you doing now? Back on the station, uh, Bashir and O'Brien are doing the only thing that one can do when they get stunted on in public, which is uh, <laughs> which is getting apartment hammered. Yeah, I love this. Like the the getting hammered in in their private space is great. This isn't a synthale kind of night. They rolled a corks bar, but they're doing it at home. They're drinking a bottle of Wee Bairns, and there is an interesting connection between this whiskey and Star Trek. Would you like to know what that is? Wee Bairns? I've never even heard of that. Yeah, I it's a it's a prop that I think returns a couple of times in Deep Space Nine, but. Wee Bairns is the whiskey that Captain Lorca drank with Admiral Bob. No shit. In that episode of Discovery. Nothing like a single malt straight from the motherland. So it is very canonical Trek whiskey. Wow. I don't know how many people listening to this know who Captain Lorca and Admiral Bob are. But uh, if you want to find out about that, you go listen to our other show, The Greatest Discovery, now in season two. You're a company man, Ben. (laughs) <laughs> Bashir and O'Brien are singing drunk Ben, when was the last time you got singing drunk? I think the problem is that I don't know that many songs <laughs> So I don't I don't really get singing drunk I might get rapping drunk before I get singing drunk Which is its own problem You do a karaoke drunk though, don't you? That's a thing No, no? I'm not really a karaoke man Oh, well, that's too bad Scratch that off the list of things we can do together. <laughs> I mean, I would watch you. <laughs> Bashir cannot understand how he got stunted on like that. O'Brien kind of gets it because O'Brien <laughs> sees how hateable Bashir is because yeah. O'Brien hated him at one point. And right. this is a really fun drunk guy to guy conversation here because O'Brien is uncomfortable expressing affection for his good good friend and instead does like plays the negative he's like and look at me now i no longer hate you (laughs) (laughs) i came around yeah a bit yeah and that's fun remarkable vulnerability expressed by a guy who is super duper drunk this is o'brien's i love you man yeah Kalamini has a great act drunk too because it is not ham and cheese. It's just a little louder, a little slower, but it's not slurry. Neither yeah. of them slur really. I thought that uh Siddig's was maybe a bit weaker than Kalamini's yeah. drunk. Yeah. Um pretty fun. Yeah, it's it is really genuinely difficult to be drunk though. And like it's one of those things where like on set it doesn't you you can't necessarily tell how it will play. Like I, I worked on a f- uh, film one time as a PA, and like one of the characters had to be drunk in a scene, and 
I was like, man, did she actually drink for that scene? Like, that was great. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw the final product, I was like, yee. Oh. <laughs> it just didn't work for some reason. Like, it, yeah. whatever thing makes it translate to film didn't work. Hmm. Strange magic. Yeah. Back on the sail ship, Cisco and Sun are cranking it pretty hard at this point. It's time to bust out the hammocks. Jake Cisco says something here that uh, really caught my attention. Hammock time! Yo! That is definitely a bit, right? I can't remember yo ever being said on Star Trek before. But it's it's like a it's like an you MC, think it's an Hammer, MC Hammer, Hammer thing. Bit. Yeah. You think? I think it's a little Easter egg. All right. Jake's in the classical music. Yeah. Like MC Hammer. <laughs> Ancient Earth Bard. Yeah. MC Hammer. What they're talking about is uh, is this school in Wellington, New Zealand, that has offered Jake a, a writing fellowship. And we get a little, a little backstory on how this came about. Jake didn't even apply. Like Keiko took a story that he wrote and sent it to them. Remember Keiko, Adam? I'm sorry, who? It's that character that uh, used to appear from time to time on the show, wife of uh, Chief O'Brien. Right. Oh, right. Now I remember. Yeah. She's been gone for a long time. Really has. But uh, gets name-checked here. And uh, to his credit, Cisco is pretty proud of Jake. Like, this isn't the episode where Jake says, I don't want to be in Starfleet. I want to be a writer. It's the episode where Cisco has made peace with that idea and is like actually being pretty supportive of this new ambition of Jake's and talks to him about like how it was hard for him to go away to school when he first went away and how like that was just on earth where he could use the transporter to get home every night for dinner but Jake is going to be truly very far away from Deep Space Nine if he if he takes this opportunity. That was such a magical depiction of homesickness yeah, the, the idea that you could just beam cross country anytime <laughs> you wanted to sleep yeah. in your own bed and eat your own food. Sounds like uh, Ben Cisco racked up a lot of sky miles yeah. uh, during that first semester yeah. at, at the academy. Jake kind of wants to stick around because uh, he doesn't want his dad to be alone. It's been a year since he's had a serious lady, and the last lady that he was serious with was a ghost woman, Ben. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember Ghost Woman? It's a vague memory. Did did Ben Cisco fuck a candle? <laughs> I mean, what Jake couldn't possibly know is that Cisco fucked both Dax and Kira like yesterday. Mirror, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's probably not a story you tell <laughs> your son when you get home, right? Ben's like, uh, you know, I. Th- I medium enjoyed your story. How'd you like to read this? <laughs> <laughs> talk, about, talk about cranking it with all you've got. Hot Nights in the Mirror Universe by Ben Sisko. <laughs> Hot Nights Dark Universe. <laughs> ben Sisko doesn't feel like this is totally necessary, but as they're kind of hashing this out, another banger gets dropped on them and sales are ripping off like crazy. Uh, it's because they've gone to warp. They look outside and they see the, the star streaks that can only mean that. Yeah, the telltale warp stripes. And that is fairly concerning. And they, uh, you know, th- this is this is not uh, part of the of the flight plan. But the, the ship is really ripping now. And uh, 
And so, uh, you know, like the, the damage that is being inflicted here is fairly mysterious, right? Like it's not really something that they can trace to any one thing. And I sort of thought the implication was going to be that like they've gone to warp because somebody is taking like super long range shots at them or something. And it's like propelled them into warp speed somehow. I mean, I mean, it's a bit fiddly because it does kind of upend some of the stuff we know about warp, like that you have to make a warp bu- bubble around a ship, and that's like a non-trivial thing to do. Yeah, in- instead, the metaphor of sails and sailboats and water travel is carried over into this form of space travel because there's there are these eddies in space made of tachyons, and if you were to come into contact with these things, the thinking is that you would go faster than light. And so this is something that Ben Sisko explains to Jake, but he didn't think tachyon eddies would have any effect on the ship, on the sail ship, because... uh, Because because, he's thinking thinking Starfleet vessel. He's not thinking about a ship with big giant solar sails attached to it. But the ship is fucked, and so they have to contact Deep Space Nine, like, is the point. Like, this is this is not seen as a good thing, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, when they uh, get out the emergency radio, thing is not working. Yeah, someone dropped it in the, in the zero-gravity toilet. You really want to do this here? Now, okay, okay, let's do it! At do it. Quark's, Bashir is creeping on Dr. Lenz again. I guess a... I guess... <laughs> some time has passed or or maybe dr bashir has taken some brode brand drinking vitamins <laughs> and is feeling right as rain oh yeah a friend of DeSoto emailed us that he's like personal friends with the guy that invented brode drinking vitamins yeah i've been trading emails with that guy now oh really yeah seems like a cool guy oh that's great i'm glad uh i'm glad you're in touch <laughs> Is he going to send us some free samples? I hope so. He should be a sponsor of the show with with how much we've used his product. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think he should just sponsor us and our lifestyle. <laughs> Hard agree. It's like people only do things because they get paid. And that's just really sad. Dr. Lenz is really nice. May I? Yes. And they end up having a conversation that goes... From two seconds of awkward to sitting at a at a cocktail table, just really enjoying each other's company and and sharing notes about New Year's Eve at a party they both went to and about their graduation and about how what being stationed on the Lexington is like. And because the, Dr. Lenz loomed so large in Bashir's mind, like he knew exactly who she was, but she had you know had him pointed out to her at a party and maybe misunderstood who the person was pointing at. Right. So assumed that Julian Bashir was an Andorian, which, uh, I mean, <laughs> that's not an Andorian last name. Bashir? No way. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, like she, uh, she's surprised to meet him and, uh, and frankly a little jealous of the path his life took because this coveted post she'd got on the Lexington did not wind up being the sexy five-year mission that it was advertised to be. And uh, she had a pretty boring ride for uh, the intervening few years. This felt like 
an instance where characters are talking about their experiences, but it's also Star Trek talking about itself. Because Dr. Yeah. Lenz represents a TNG style of Star Trek, and Dr. Lenz can understand the appeal of what it must be like to to do science on Deep Space Nine and not have to go just planet to planet, picking up and setting down and picking up and setting down. Like Her point is is that her grass isn't greener than Dr. Bashir's, it's just different grass. And so like he needs to let go of whatever professional envy he might have carried with him up until now. It's a really great scene. And it kind of, without making this point, kind of lays to bed this whole valedictorian, salutatorian conflict also. Mm-hmm. Like the it was a stressful thing that they both went through, but it obviously doesn't really have you know like who cares at this point right they're professionals that and that's that's behind them there's nothing that they can do to change what happened back then right back on the sail ship the repairs have continued and uh jake is low-key a little bit paranoid about dying i think like he's asking yeah. questions about life support and their inability to communicate and uh he's probably holding a shit in also, <laughs> that he'd really rather uh, you really, let go. You really project yourself onto everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but Commander Sisko is is nothing if not great at distracting Jake from space danger. Yeah. And one of the little threads that we've had in this episode is that Jake wants to set Sisko up with a uh, a freighter captain that he's seen around the station, and uh, and Sisko kind of. Uh, engages him on this subject matter uh to to kind of get jake off of the uh of the nightmare that they are currently experiencing she's a freighter captain a freighter captain and uh that seems like a deal it looks like we're gonna get a ben cisco blind date episode at some point in the future if they choose to continue that storyline uh, and we also get happy news that Jake Sisko is not going anywhere as a character for at least a year. He says he's uh, he's going to put off his fellowship. I guess they uh, they offer some kind of deferment for this fellowship. So uh, he wants to he wants to get more life experience aboard the station before he heads to Earth and uh, and pursues his education. Ben's like cool because. Uh... Your writing needs some work. <laughs> it's about this time that uh, Gul Dukat blows in another FaceTime, and uh, this time uh, it's uh, from one of three battleships that the Cardassians have deployed to meet this sailing ship as it enters Cardassian space. And uh, it's not uh, to attack them at all that they've been deployed, but... Uh, in fact, to roll out the red carpet. The Cardassians are doing the right thing. I wanted to be the first one to congratulate you. I guess. I mean, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save my feelings on the scene for the did you like portion of the ep, but the button on the episode is a celebration of their arrival because yeah. Jake and Ben, like part of the problem with their inability to communicate is they also don't really know where they are. And so yeah. it's it's... Ducat that has hipped, hipped them to the idea that they've they've jumped the Denorius belt. They didn't even like that wasn't even an issue, and they're in the Cardassian system. And Jake restates the problem and the solution a couple of times in case the viewer wasn't aware of how this happened, which is helpful. Yeah, and Gold Ducat's like, 
Yeah, so your arrival here kind of coincides with our archaeologists digging up one of these ships off of uh, off of the surface of Cardassia. So everything is sort of uh, meeting up at exactly the same time. Good job. Cue the fireworks <laughs> like, show. Wow, what a what a interesting coincidence. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. I guess the Cardassians are gonna tow them back to Deep Space Nine. That'd be nice. <laughs> So did this episode grow the beard or did it grow the board? I really like the episode up until the fireworks show, Ben. You cannot have the Cardassians celebrate this. You can't. The way this episode should have ended is, is the Defiant goes and picks up the sail ship, returns her home to Deep Space Nine. They shoot the fireworks off of Deep Space Nine. This is so not in keeping with Cardassian culture, how they feel about the Federation, how they feel about Bajoran culture. Yeah, like, it's the it's the frog given the scorpion uh, trip a- across the river on its back. Yeah, yeah. And then the scorpion doesn't sting it. And it's like, thanks a lot for the ride, bro. And then the frog like shoots fireworks when they <laughs> reach the other side of the river. That doesn't happen. I, it I just think, doesn't feel like... I think we've like- mangled that metaphor, but... <laughs> It doesn't feel like it was true to the Cardassian way of thinking. And look, I'm not asking for Gold Ducat to be a huge dick about this, but like he doesn't have to go all the way good and celebratory the way he does here. And that was my main beef with the ep. I thought the ep was fun and cool and interesting for all of the reasons that you especially mentioned earlier. That, that sail ship is great. I think it's one of the great builds that they've done on this show. Yeah, really fun. And this episode also introduces a lot of things that I think are going to be going concerns later, like a Ben Sisko relationship, like a like a Jake Sisko uh, writer sort of storyline. Right. Um, like this is this is it's nice to have a bottle episode again. It's Return of the Bottle, and I don't <laughs> feel like we've had one of these in a while. Deep Space Nine doesn't do many bottles anymore. I think. Yeah. What about you? I think I like it more than you do, and uh, one thing you bring up a lot is the idea of like album song order, and I wonder if this episode punches a little harder if it's a little earlier in the season. Yeah. If this had happened like right before all this stuff with an, an Abrantain. Yeah. C- because this isn't in character for Cardassians, but... We have spent a lot of time this season on the idea of the diplomatic relations between the Federation and Bajor and Cardassia improving. And if this seemed like a, a another step on that journey, I think that would have given an interesting false sense of safety before shit really pops off with, uh, you know, secret war fleets and the making secret pacts with the Romulans and stuff. And it would have, um, it would have represented something to grieve. And that, and by that, I mean like a way of life. If we right. got an episode like this. We were so like close this, to peace. If we got an episode like this before uh, the Dias cast, then I think what you would think during that is like, well, the party's over, like no time for hobbies. Like we are a, we're a war fighting federation now that is gearing up. And it, what it does is it makes those two episodes insignificant. Right. Because if you can just get back to building models after something like that, then then what was its true cost? 
Yeah. And I wonder if anything is said in this episode that makes it like not like if you could have like kind of a uh, a fan order of the season. Yeah. Like could this just be like episode 15 and not episode 22? Yeah, you can put the bottles anywhere. Yeah. So uh I I think that if if uh if I'm allowed that concession, I really like the episode. Uh I think that it is primarily undercut by its proximity to those other stories um but uh, on balance i thought it was it was a good and fun episode and a nice uh a nice character change for cisco that he's not still harboring this ambition for his son that his son doesn't share well it is unorthodox ben but i'll allow it (laughs) adam in this episode jake cisco receives some uh, some delightful communications do you want to see if we have any delightful communications in our inbox absolutely priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel need a supplemental income supplemental income supplemental supplemental yeah it's extra but the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship adam we have a personal priority on message here it's from matt clark and george and it's for lucas and it goes like this happy probably belated 30th birthday lucas welcome to your twilight years our only hope is that in your advanced age you don't turn from the young hip shatner we know you to be into crusty old shatner who yells about snowflakes on twitter Mm. glory to you and your house it was uh, meant to be targeted for as close as possible to November 16th. So sorry, Lucas, for how long it took us to get to that. Uh, Lucas now 30 and a half. <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe even closer to yelling about snowflakes on Twitter. But uh, mm. a little bit of Shatner shade in that message. Yeah, Shatner's not great on Twitter. No. He, he was a real dick to some friends of mine on Twitter because he didn't think that they deserved to be verified on Twitter. Really? Because he, he didn't personally know who they were. Wow. Yeah. And, like, he, like, blocked a whole bunch of people I know because he felt it was unjust that they were verified. Like, it cheapened his own being verified. Old man yells at verified cloud. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't think he didn't deserve that shade. You know, he's touring Wrath of Khan this year. It's a pretty good idea. It's a good thing that uh, we're done touring Wrath of Khan, right? (laughs) Yeah, party's over. Party is over. Ben, we have a second Priority One message here. It is from Ben. It is for Emily Fitz, the most gorgeous woman in the world. A message goes like this. Happy anniversary, baby girl. These last two years have been the best in my life. I'm so happy to see you publishing your books and chasing your dreams. The only things I can guarantee are that I will always love you and that tonight the heavens will know that a warrior is coming. <laughs> Whoa. Very suggestive, Ben. Ben uh, Ben really believes very strongly that one thing will result from this P1. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, of the ribald written word... Yeah. Ben's writing a a red shoe jumbotron diary. <laughs> Pretty nice. Wow. Well, uh good luck with that Ben and uh really good luck with that Emily. 
Yeah. If you'd like to uh, send a Priority One message, you know how to do it. You go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. And they are a great way to support the production of this show. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Got a video Shimoda for you, Ben. Hmm. Uh, There is a scene at about the 23-20 mark where uh, Quark is mentioning to O'Brien and Bashir. God damn it. This is the same Shimoda as me. The one to two move that Morn does. Yeah. So, yeah, this is great. So what happens is Morn is up in the balcony and Quark enters the frame and is telling them about the bet that he's got with Morn. And then there's this reveal of Morn as he's being talked about that is like a horror film (laughs) bit of framing. It is awesome and hilarious. It's so funny. Yeah, it's it, it is the definitive drunk Shimoda of this of, yeah. of this episode and potentially of the series. <laughs> it is it is such a funny bit of direction. Like we'll get Morn standing here when the camera swings as Quark walks around the table. We'll just establish that Morn is over on the on the circular staircase listening in on the conversation. <laughs> Very funny, because uh, I mean, and like the backstory is that Quark and Morn have had made a bet on right. where Bashir's relationship with this other Starfleet doctor goes, and right. so, so it's it's justified, but it's also hilarious. It's really great, and I feel like in Star Trek there are very few times where you get shot comedy. Yeah, and that's what this is. There's a couple of moments like that in this episode. There's that moment when Jake comes to let his dad know that he's coming on the big sailing trip and the reveal is like the camera fades up on a porthole in the in the hull of the ship and Jake's head just appears in it and he's like it's like it's like a shot from Pee-wee's Playhouse looking in the <laughs> that circular window yeah. in Pee-wee's front door, you know. Yeah. Very funny. That ship looked really expensive to make for a bottle episode. Totally. Ben, what do we have coming up on the next episode? The next episode is season three, episode 23, Family Business. Quark returns to his home planet to confront his mother, who has broken the Ferengi law prohibiting females from earning a profit. You know, normally I praise these uh, these Amazon descriptions for being by somebody who's actually watched the episode, but mm-hmm. if, if they had, they would know that you, you never put an article in front of profit in in the Ferengi argot. <laughs> you would never say earning the profit or earning a profit. You would just say yeah. earning profit. Sure. It's like, uh, it's like mistakenly saying the Ukraine. Right. Yeah. Can't do that. Just exposes that you don't know anything about what you're talking about. <laughs> uh-huh. I know that feeling. I'm going to queue up at... Um, the Game of Buttholes, The Will of the Prophets. That's right, Ben. It's our board game that determines the way in which we will experience a Greatest Gen episode. And uh, currently we are on square 60. We could uh, potentially hit a space butthole that would take us back to square 18 for a Quark's Bar. 
We could also hit square 64, which would be a Starship Mine episode, which in which we would have to obtain a spaceship model. Each would have to obtain a, a model spaceship and then build it while recording. So it would just be two distracted dorks making, you know, plastic noises. Uh, That'd be great radio, Ben. <laughs> that would be the worst episode we'd ever make. I mean... Yeah, but it's on the board, so yeah. we would have yeah. to do it if if we got there. We would. Uh, we do what the board says. Yeah, the board is the boss, not us. Right. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. I'm going to go ahead and take this uh, this six-sided virtual dice. Give it a spin. What do you say? Hit it. Did I win? Hardly. Oh, man. I have rolled a five, jumping us over both hazards. Shit. I'm a little... I thought for sure we'd be building models, Ben. I'm a little bummed out, Adam, honestly, because I recently got interested in getting the $800 Millennium Falcon Lego kit. Whoa. And uh, I don't really... I can't really justify spending that kind of money, but I might... I might have talked myself into it had we hit that. <laughs> Jeez. I that uh yeah, that would qualify as building a spaceship model. Yeah, and it, it would uh. be a tax write-off, right? Because it would be for work. <laughs> oh shit, that would have been great. You know what? You can hit it on the comeback if you hit the wormhole at square 87. Oh yeah, we could hit that. It'll give you another shot at it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so just a regular old episode. Of course, I still uh, have my uh, rain check here that I could inflict right. a quarks bar on you at any time. That's right. I was thinking the other day, what would happen if I did that to you like during another quarks bar episode or during Heaven Forfend <laughs> a Mornhammered episode? Or if you did it during the Starship Mine episode. <laughs> <laughs> The the compounding problems. Yeah. yeah. I, I I mean I would I'd have to do it. You are not safe, Adam. Yeah. One thing that makes us feel safe week in and week out, Ben, is the ongoing support of our viewership. Yep. Those who wish to support the greatest generation family of programming <laughs> go to maximumfund.org slash donate where uh, listener support helps keep the greatest generation and the greatest discovery. And friendly fire going. Yeah, it uh, it is the number one way we uh, we support ourselves doing this project and uh, and all of these projects. And uh, we could not do it without you guys. So we really appreciate it. Um, if you uh, if you want to support in other ways, there are lots of ways to do it. Uh, one such is going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a nice review. It helps us rise through the algorithms over there. Also, just like recommending the show to friends, coworkers, family members that uh, you think would enjoy it. Um, that also really helps. And it's it. one of my favorite things is when we get a note from somebody that says, oh, yeah, I took a friend's recommendation and started at episode one, and I got caught up in four months. I just love the show so much. Yeah, that's the best. Got to thank our best friends of DeSoto course by that you know i mean uh adam ragusia who took the great music of one dark materia chopped and screwed it and turned it into a audio pastiche that we use uh on both our programming here in the main line and uh while we're out on tour 
Just great, great stuff that he's done for us. Yeah, we got to thank our buddy Bill Tilly, who makes trading cards of every episode. They always make me laugh. Every every week he puts out a whole bunch of new trading cards, and they are a, a total highlight. And occasionally I'll, you know, just because you miss some of the stuff on Twitter, I'll realize, like, oh, man, I don't think I've seen Bill's trading cards this week, and I'll have to go back through Bill's old tweets and find them. And it's uh, it, it never disappoints. He, he has made me laugh every single time he's done it. Always great. That's for sure. Uh, J.J. Lendl has been making art-quality portfolio prints for every episode that we produce. Uh, he puts those out on Sunday. It's one of the great ways to get our viewership hyped before the episode drops on Monday. It's something I also look forward to quite a bit. The guy does great work. Sure does. With that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine that puts the loaf on its skin. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.